This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. I'm Poonam Verma. Wishing you all a very happy Twixmas. What is that? It is the time between Christmas Day and New Year's where it's kind of like a crimbo limbo. We'll be finding out how we all feel during this period with Dr. Thiraya. Self-love is something we hear all the time, but now teachers and schools are teaching kids this at a very early age. I meet the lady who is also known as Dubai's Brazilian coffee queen, Maria Pavani. We find out how one horse actually detected a tumour in our next guest. We're finding out which tech gadgets we need to look out for for 2023 with Dinesh. It's been a little bit grey and gloomy with the rain and also with New Year's around the corner, plenty of you will be wanting to take some pictures. So we've got some top tips during this season and to catch those fireworks on New Year's with Golf Photo Plus. So over the past few days, you would have heard me talking about the word Twixmas. Never, ever have I heard it. The lady who introduced me to it is with us, Dr. Thiraya, our psychologist. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Panam? You sound lazy. Is Christmas still upon you or is it the season of Twixmas that's making you lazy? I think it's a bit of Twixmas, it's a bit of exhaustion, it's a bit of like, I'm so ready for this year to be over. It's, a, it's an amalgamation of things. Wow, yeah, you do sound different. This Twixmas is really affecting you. So before before we talk about what it is, is this a new term? Because you're the one who introduced me to it last week. Actually, interestingly enough, it's actually a term that a lot of people have been trying to figure out what and how to name this period of the year. It's so strange. There's been uh, Crimbo Limbo. I like I There's like been Crimbo Twixmas. Limbo. I actually really prefer Crimbo Limbo because I think that one's really cool. Yeah. But there's there there's so many different people that are calling it different things. You know, the the limbo era, the um I forget. I mean online there's there's so many I, of them. And, I did. It, and it's just it's this I did look it on- is, sorry, it's describing like these days between Christmas and New Year's that people don't actually know what to do with. You know, it's like the after Boxing Day, you have the 27th and the 28th and the 29th and the 30th. And you're like, OK, what do I do with these four days? I did look it up and it said Twixmas originates from the archaic word betwixt, which means mm-hmm. between. Twixmas kind of sounds like a chocolate bar to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, we were talking about it right before and I felt every time I keep thinking of Twixmas I'm like I want a Twix bar yeah, yeah exactly I think it's Twix who came up with the name just so we go out and buy them maybe I don't know it's so, very possible so um, how are you feeling then just generally like during this week are you working at all I am so I'm actually I traveled I came to see my family so I'm only working in the mornings so uh, not too many clients throughout the day but definitely feeling a lot more lethargic and a lot more kind of mellowed out. And this is actually what a lot of people seem to feel around the Twixmas era, where it's it's just kind of, you know, not really in the mood. I'm feeling kind of, you know, not down and sad, but yeah. just a matter of like, I don't really, you know, it's like meh. <laughs> it's, exactly. You know, not it a lot of called- people are able to truly understand. It's 
just called the Meh Week. There's so many names, you don't know what to call it. How, what generally do people feel in general as a whole? Because let's think about it. Like, I'm at work here, but it still feels very holiday-like. Like, I'm not stressed. I'm chilled out. I feel like I'm just coming, having some fun in a little studio, talking to my friends. It doesn't feel like work. Maybe it's because right. everyone's and, and that's what a lot of people feel as well, because the reality is, is that a lot of people are on holiday. And so when you go to work, you just feel like, what am I doing here? Like, nobody's really responding. Everybody's kind of, you know, taking it easy. I should, you know, I should be taking it easy. So there's this like mixed feelings because, you know, not everybody celebrates during this time of the sure. year. So there are a lot of people who are working and there are a lot of people who are off. So you get this mixed kind of um vibe to the whole world because this is this is around a time where a lot of students at least are off which means families are are off or they're spending some time with their with their kids but also there's like christmas holiday there's but some people don't celebrate christmas and so you have this you know hodgepodge of of uh, festivities that are going on all at the same time but at the same time you can almost feel like there's this coming to an end uh, experience for for pretty much the whole world. And it's almost like, okay, how did we get here? And a lot of people seem to come up with the same kind of feeling, which is like, wow, where did this month go? How did this I, month I, I kind of question where did you speed up? I get it deeper. I go, where did my life go? Forget this month. <laughs> it's like, like how, how am I this age? What happened? I mean, I was like 17 about a week ago. <laughs> So it's just, it's just, I don't know. I really don't know. Well, we're going to find out. Uh, we do have a caller, Natasha. I think she's explaining to us what she feels during this period. But also I think there's um, there's that feeling that everyone now has to gear up for New Year's. I used to spend New Year's all over the world and had some great times. I cannot be bothered now. And I don't know if that's just as you get older and I've done it all. But what about you? Well, for me personally, I ha- I don't really have that kind of connection to New Year's as much as that I used to. I mean, before it was like, okay, let's yeah. go to a restaurant, let's party, let's do this. And, and now I'm just like, I'm going to be at home in my PJs. I'm going to watch the fireworks and then go to bed. So I, I think it's called old age because we both had this in I the think past. So. I think that's what it's called. And we've done it all. When you've done a lot, you're like, well, you know what to expect. But the other day we had um, Kareem in from Kids App and he said, get a journal, a brand new journal and wake up fresh in the morning on the 1st of January and write your intentions, your hopes, your dreams, your wishes to start the new year well rather than tired and exhausted from the night before. And I thought that was a really good mm. idea. Do you have any little rituals that you like to do on the 1st of January? I usually like to gather with some of my closest friends and have a lunch. So it's almost like we're bringing in the new year with with loved ones, which is really important to me. And at the same time, I like to kind of think to myself, okay, what do I want to plan for this year? But not from a very specific perspective, just an overall perspective of what did I do last year? What did I miss out on or what were the things that I didn't really prioritize and how do I need to bring it into this year as in the best way that I can? I've been trying to write a book for four years. I'm trying to finish it in 2023, but I really, ha- I need, I need. So Panam, that's it. That's your New Year's resolution. Finish the book. I know. Okay, let's see. So Dr. Thiraya introduced me to a term last week called Twixmas. It originates from the archaic word betwixt 
which means between. Uh, it's the this week, basically, when, like, as Dr. T says, it's the bleh week <laughs> or the crimbo limbo. You just don't really know what to do. Are you working? Are you relaxing? Are you waiting for New Year's? Are you still, like, recovering from Christmas Day? It's just that weird week, you know, in the middle. Uh, and we were talking about what everybody feels. And Natasha, for Natasha, it's really stressful, apparently. Christmas week, hands down, is the most stressful time of the year for me. Uh, simply because a it's Christmas, so you have to plan in advance for gifts and manage family expectations, etc. So in the lead up to it, there is a lot of planning in terms of gift giving. But what makes it worse the following week after Christmas is the fact that we have three different celebrations uh, that come back to back. So there, that includes birthdays and anniversaries, and we are effectively broke by the end of the year, every year. So apparently, uh, Dr. Thuraya, Natasha not only has Christmas, so she's got the build-up to that, then she has a birthday in this week, and then she has a wedding anniversary. And she's, and it's just, I would hate to have my birthday during Christmas and New Year's. I think it's, it's quite difficult for a lot of people around this time of the year. I mean, I'm a December baby, so I know. Uh, <laughs> usually my, my birthday is around the time that everybody travels yeah. and everybody's gone. And my parents' anniversary, wedding anniversary is in Twixmas. So there's a lot of amount, like payments that are done around this time of the year. I mean, I think one of the, one of the things you have to remember is try to like couple um, gifts. So if it's, you have Christmas and then a birthday, make it a really nice gift, but one gift instead of like spreading out so many different gifts and having to think for over so many different things, this will really help with minimizing the amount of stress that you experience. But yeah, this time of year is, is really difficult for a lot of people in many different ways. And I think learning how to manage that can be, be very beneficial. So what kind of things should we do during this week? I mean, it's nearly over. Any recommendations mm-hmm. and things we should probably avoid? Well, I mean, definitely what I would suggest is try to avoid as much as you can kind of going out and, and exhausting your body day after day, even if you're on vacation or even if you're not on vacation, try to wind things down towards the end of the year. For one main reason is because you know how it is, Panam, like beginning of the year, January 2, everybody's back at it and like they're full force. Yeah. Um, everybody's trying to get, you you know, the most out of the beginning of the year when people are fresh, they just came back from their vacations and so on and so forth. So you really want to give yourself some time to kind of calm down. So if you are the the type of person who's enjoying your vacation in terms of like partying and things like that, take some time to really take care of yourself as well. Don't just do that and like be exhausted as of January 2nd. Um, for other individuals, it's it's a good time to reflect. But I would say the one thing that is really important for everybody is learn to declutter and to get rid of a lot of things that you don't need in the house. Do your spring cleaning at, in wintertime, whatever it is that you need to do. But this is really a great time to kind of uh, reflect on the year Take a look at the things that you need. Take a look at the things that you don't. Get rid of it because physical space is extremely important for your mental health. It's extremely important for your own sense of um, experiencing new beginnings. It's it's good for uh, giving yourself that, that space, not just physically but mentally, to kind of um, focus on the things that you really want to work on, so like the priorities for the year. And 
Um, in essence, what I would say is is try to give yourself an opportunity to to spend some time with the loved ones that you care about at the end of this year. Because, you know, Panam, I think we learned quite a bit in 2020 how easy it is for us to be taken away or like separated from our mm -hmm. loved ones and mm -hmm. how, how easy it is to lose loved ones. And I think, you know, because things moved so quickly and we're like back into the to the scheme of things and yeah. we've kind of forgotten that 2020, I mean, like really put them, if you think about it in three months, it'll be three years since COVID wow. and that's mind blowing, yeah. right? Like it's past. So it's really good for us to remember the lessons that we took from 2020, which was take it easy, take it slow, slow things down, spend time with the, with your loved ones, but also make sure to spend time with yourself to reconnect to who you are. Because the rat race that we're usually used to, the hamster wheel that we're used to being in during the year, this is a good time to kind of sit, take a step back and like really reflect on what you want to bring into the new year for yourself as an individual, for yourself as an employee and for yourself as a partner or a family person and so on and so forth. Well, you'll be happy to know that when everyone's coming back on the second, I'm taking a week off just to chill and do some of my own for stuff. You. Exactly. So <laughs> and I'm maybe write that book. <laughs> oh man, you know what? You're, I completely forgot about the book and now you've brought it back. I think you're right. You know what? That's what I should do. Just go somewhere and sit and write and go somewhere nice. Thank you for the encouragement. Absolutely. And if it doesn't happen, let's do this again in when we're going to go to 2024 and I'll start again and say I need to write a book. <laughs> You're gonna, another book. Yeah, another, another book. book. Let's be positive. Okay, Dr. Thraya, thank you so much. Um, wishing you a very happy new year and we will speak to you in 2023. So coffee lovers, listen up, because we have a lady who is known as Dubai's Brazilian coffee queen. Maria Pavani is the founder and CEO of Tremaria's Coffee, and she's also a sensory judge for the World Barista Championships, which I've never heard of a sensory judge. I know what it is, but this is going to be interesting. So how are you, Maria? Lovely to have you in the studio. And what's funny, you told me your dad has worked in radio and TV for years, but you've never been on the radio before. That's correct. Thank so, you. Thank you for having me. So this is your first time. My first time. Your dad I'm excited. Will be proud. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm gonna send the videos for him later. Amazing. So <laughs> you're originally from Brazil. Did you grow up drinking a lot of coffee at home? Um, I'm originally from Brazil. Um, I did not drink coffee until my 18 years old. Really? Um, yes. Uh, it's very common that we have the culture of waking up at grandmother's house and she's brewing fresh coffee for the family. Um, but black coffee has a very distinctive taste. Yeah. So I think... Um, it's too we, strong for children. Yes, we start drinking that type of coffee in a later stage. Do you remember when you drank and where you drank your first cup of coffee and what it was like? Do you remember that? I remember I was working at my first job in Brazil as a, as a barista and they had this thing called cold brew, which is black coffee but cold. And I was like, I want to try this. And I tried it and I was like, wow, this is terrible. Uh, I so didn't. Hang, so hang on a minute. You said you were a barista and that's when you first tried your coffee. Were you training to be a barista? I was trained. Yes, I started my career um, as a barista, making coffee behind the bar. So, so what made you want to go into this career? Um, I came to Dubai and um, I was working as a barista here and the market was really new. 
um, it was almost like an untouched market. So Absolutely. I saw an opportunity uh, yeah. to invest on my career and study more and understand what part of the coffee industry I would fit myself. Um, and that's what I did. I did a little barista course here, actually, when I first, uh, 15 years ago, we had a TV show here and they took me to a barista coffee shop and I'd never even heard the word barista. So growing up in England, a lot of us mainly just drink tea. And the first real experience I had of the coffee culture in a coffee shop where people sit and they read and they work from it. I'm not joking. It must have been 20 years ago in San Francisco. And we didn't have this in England. So I sat in this coffee shop. Um, I know Starbucks was all the rage, one of the main franchises then. But um, this was an independent one. And I sat there and I thought, this is such a cool idea. Like, we don't have this in England. And I don't understand why. And then suddenly I was like, I might order a coffee. And I didn't even drink coffee. And I could understand that place of just going somewhere, changing the energy from your house and drinking coffee and tea. And being around other people, reading, writing and everything. And then suddenly it's just everywhere, which I would never have imagined. Why do you think there has been such a growth, especially in this region, with that kind of culture? Um, I think the region is um, a very social reason, uh, region. Mm. Um, I feel that we use coffee not only to get our caffeine in the morning, but actually to meet friends, you know, to do business meetings. Mm. Um, everything actually involves around coffee in the region. Uh, if you want to see a friend, let's have a coffee. If you want to have a business meeting, let's have a coffee here. Mm. So everything kind of like goes around coffee. Um, and of course, specialty coffee, which is the industry that, you know, Tres Marias and myself, we are specialized at, um, has been seeing a growth for the past 10 years um, because people are more aware about what they are consuming, the quality of their oh, food, totally. the drinks. And specialty coffee comes to meet there, right? It's coffee. Um, better sourced, in a better quality, brewed in a better way. So I think that's the reason why we're having a, a very big demand in our region. Yeah, I'm not a coffee expert, but I've my palate now is more suited to really good quality independent coffee shops rather than the big franchises. I can tell the difference now. Um, let's talk about Tres Maria's Coffee. When did you start it? Why did you start it? And what kind of coffee will we find there that's different to others? So Tres Marias started in 2019. Um, I have been in Dubai since 2014, as I mentioned, working as a barista, um, became a certified judge, uh, became a Q grader, which is the professional that grades coffee from a region, mm. so the green coffee bean. Um, and for me, I always wanted to have a voice in the coffee industry. Um, and I thought that, you know, growing Together with the market here in the UAE or in the region, um, I had enough um, experience to do that, right? To speak coffee in a way that other brands were not speaking. Um, so Tres Marias started in 2019. Uh, we started as a coffee supplier, green coffee supplier from South America and Central America mm. uh, ma mainly. And roasting for our brand and for other companies as well that would like to have private label services. Uh, apart from that, we will do a lot of education as well. So educating coffee professionals from the sensory skills. So basically understanding how to perceive coffee on your on your tongue, on your mouth, um, to baristas behind the bar, right? So how do I calibrate a grinder? How, to, how do I extract an espresso? How do I make latte art? Um, so that's how Tres Marias started. Now we are three years and a half in business. Um, so yes. are you actually a coffee shop or just a supplier and training baristas? 
No, we we call ourselves a coffee brand. So okay. we do our mission is to change people's uh, experience, uh, in, uh, change the coffee experience in people's life. So we do that through innovation. We do that through sustainability and community. So creating products that help your coffee experience uh, improve. This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. The UAE's number one talk radio station. So I am talking to Dubai's Brazilian coffee queen, Maria Pavani. She's the founder and CEO of Tres Marias Coffee. And she is also a sensory judge for the World Barista Championships. What does that actually mean, though? We're about to find out. So... As a sensory judge, Maria, for the coffee championships, what exactly do you have to do? Well, my favorite thing, drink coffee first. How Um, how many cups are you drinking though during this competition? (laughs) So I was judging the National Saudi uh, Arabia Barista Championship in December and we had 30 competitors and we were um, a team of three uh, judges. So in the first day, I judge nine people, and then we have the semifinals with three, uh, with six, uh, and then the finals. So it depends. Each competitor serves one espresso, one coffee with milk, and one signature drink. Now, when you say, we're going to talk about milk after, I want to come back to that. So what is it you're looking for when you're drinking a good coffee? Okay, so as a sensory judge, we have, of course, our... um, the requirements that we have to fulfill based on the quality of the coffee that the barista is presenting. So we analyze, first of all, um, in sweetness, acidity, bitterness, uh, and then we analyze the mouthfeel of the coffee, so texture, aftertaste, um, and, and, and we give a score based on the quality of those attributes. Mm. The same thing for uh, the coffee uh, with milk. So the barista has to make sure that the milk is not overpowering the coffee, that you can still have the espresso as your main character, character of the drink. Yeah. And then the same thing for the signature drink. So the signature drink, we're looking for a beverage that's made with an, with an espresso, right? And that you use ingredients that will create a new flavor to that drink. So pretty much uh, you are using A plus B and you are having C rather than you're using A plus B and you're having AB. So I've, uh, you know, we have so many alternative choices now when it comes to milk. And somebody once said to me, not all types of milk, you know, whether it's oat milk or soya milk, suits various roasts and brings out the taste in coffee. What would you say about that? That's correct. I agree. Um, and But we have been seeing a big change in the industry now. Uh, in fact, Tres Marias just launched our own uh, line of plant-based made for baristas. So we have done, we have created a recipe for oat milk, soya milk, mm. almond milk, uh, and coconut milk that will mix very well with coffee, that will froth, that will allow the baristas to do latte art. Yeah. And the most important thing, when mixed with coffee, it will not overpower the taste, and you're going to still feel that you're drinking espresso-based drink. But uh, yes, it has been in the industry now, I think, for the past 10 years, you know, the, the growth of plant-based milk. And I think that's the, the way moving forward. Again, people are more aware of what they are consuming. They are aware about, you know, what they are putting inside their bodies. 
And I think they, they're looking for a better alternative for their health and the planet. So I, I remember once I was extremely ill in Rome and I was just being sick a lot and I didn't have any energy to like walk around. So my friend took me to this little um, pasta place. It was a, a secret little place down an alleyway. And I couldn't even pick the fork. My whole body had no energy. And the waiter looked at me and he said, is everything okay? And my friend said, she's not well. He goes, let me get her an espresso. And I looked at him and said, what's an espresso going to do for me, right? He gave me the tiniest little espresso. I'm not joking. In half an hour, I was walking around Rome for three hours. I don't know what was in that espresso. Caffeine. But it it must have been good quality caffeine to literally get me from not lifting a fork. So that's the thing. It's like, how do you know what's a good cup of quality coffee compared to the cheap stuff? Um, I always say that the best coffee is the coffee that you like, right? So everybody has a different taste. Everybody has a different uh, preference in, in how to drink coffee or how to eat food. Um, now, when it comes for coffee, again, in terms of quality, we have a way of analyzing the coffee bean itself. Mm. And then based on the attributes of that bean, sweetness, um, uh, aroma, aftertaste, uh, acidity, depending on the quality of those attributes, you, you have a final score, mm. right? If the score is 70 to 75 points, let's say you are talking about commercial coffee. If you're, if the score is about 75 to 80 points, you are talking about fine commercial coffee. And anything above 80 points, you are, we are talking about specialty coffee. So again, quality is one thing. Now preference of palate it's another thing. So sometimes people say, well, I don't really like this coffee, Maria, because it's too acidic. Normally, coffees that have higher score or higher quality, they tend to be more acidity, mm. acidic. Um, but some people don't like that. Some people like the coffee that's a bit darker roasted yeah. and, you know, maybe a blend that's robust and Arabica because then they can have the energy because Robusta coffee has double caffeine of Arabica. So oh, for really? me, for example, when I drink a cup of coffee... I know after five seconds if that's 100% Arabica or if it's mixed with Robusta. How many cups of coffee do you have a day? Uh, right now I'm trying to control. So I don't, I try not to drink more than three or four. Oh, that's not bad. Not bad, not bad. But for a very long period of my life, I, I was in seven, eight, nine, ten. Co I remember in Guatemala, this is a funny story. In Guatemala, 2019, um, I went for to give a course for the farmers, right? Sensory course for certified the farmers in Guatemala. And um, and it was 12 midnight and we're having 40 cups of coffee in the table for us <sighs> to try. And I remember everybody's like, I can't do this anymore. But we were drinking coffee nonstop. So it really depends on on what we're doing in, 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 in the industry. But on my daily routine, I try not to go more than three cups a day. Okay. Well, where can we check you out online, Tres Maria's Coffee? Where will we find you? On Instagram, website? Yes, you can check us out on Instagram, Tres Maria's Coffee. Uh, we're very active. Uh, we have a lot of fun with our Instagram page. If you would like to try our coffee or our plant-based milk or any other products that the brand carries, you can go to tresmariascoffee.com. Uh, we have Dubai delivery within two working days. Yeah. Um, and yes, we are at Ripe Market as well uh, every weekend, Saturday and Sunday from 9 a.m. Uh, to 10 uh, to 9 p.m. Amazing. I would get you a cup of coffee from our machine, but I just don't think it's going to be up to scratch for you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Maria. Thanks for having me. This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. The UAE's number one talk radio station. 
So, are you excited about what tech gadgets are coming out? What's happening in the metaverse for 2023? I'm trying to sound like I'm excited. I'm not a tech person at all, but my next guest definitely is. So you may have heard of our tech guru, Dinesh Kalyaniwala. He is from Tea Break Media. And I've been speaking to him on the phone or in Teams, texting him for the past year and a half. Never, ever met him. And he's in the studio now. And I'm so happy to see you face to face. You're everything I imagined you would be. (laughs) I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, You're supposed to say it back. Sorry? You're supposed to say it back to me. 100%. Um, you're even better. <laughs> oh. You're even better. That's ex- Pictures don't do, do you justice. Thank you. Thank you. Spotlight, spotlight. Okay, that's enough ego boosting right now. How are you doing? Did you have a good Christmas? 100%. It was really nice. It was all pajamas everywhere, so it was great. And what about New Year's? What are the plans? <sighs> I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll, fi- we'll figure it out by the end of this conversation. <laughs> we'll come up with some ideas. So, um, you know, I'm not very good at techie. And yes. you sent me a few things that you think people should watch out for to 2023. Mm-hmm. I did look some of them up. <laughs> I was looking at the first one going, but why? <laughs> I was like, why? I don't understand. And it's called the Dyson Zone. Please tell me about this. Okay, so the Dyson Zone is this insane piece of technology. And I, I genuinely would... I, I'm waiting for the day when Dyson introduces me to the person who, who thought this through. But they're basically noise-canceling headphones with an air purifier sort of mask that connects from from the part that covers your ears that co- to cover your mouth. If anyone's seen Batman, it looks like what Bane wears on his face. But that's basically what it is. So you breathe in air that's being purified from the mask and the noise-canceling headphones have vents on them as well. And it looks absolutely absurd. It, 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 I couldn't believe it the first time I saw it. But that being said, I do see the functionality of it. Um, we live in the UAE and bless us, we all barely do any major walking around. But there are cities of the world where people are on the streets constantly. Pollution is horrible. Yeah, you look at Cairo, so, you look at Delhi. All these, all these places, uh, it's, it's, it's come to a point where something like this could be necessary. And funny enough, it's not unheard of. So during COVID, LG did this with just a mask. Just a mask. They had mm. this huge mask, like to the point where they didn't realize that the straps, it was so heavy on the face that the straps would cut people on the back of their ears. Yeah. Like things like that. But people are trying for this business of air purific- personal air purification. That's becoming very important. Me, someone who's got massive allergies to dust and stuff like that. Okay, that makes sense. I can see myself being like, okay, today is a day with a dust storm. Let me protect myself. But it means you're going to have to listen to music at the same time. While, correct. Yes. Correct. But my point is that Dyson might not be the one that cracks it completely. And plus it's Dyson, so it's going to be ridiculously expensive. How do you actually like, this is going to sound so silly, add the air, renew the air, charge it? Like, how does it work? So basically, there's one filter right in front of your mouth. And then there are two more um filters in where the earpieces are Mm. and air passes through that in and providing you with a fresher experience or a cleaner experience so i've i've heard your reasoning Mm -hmm. and i still am questioning but why 100 percent. everyone is everyone (laughs) is everyone is i'm just saying that it's it's one of those things which is a first step it's not perfect and it will be a while before companies jump on board because companies will jump on board i guarantee this other companies will have similar products but who masters it is yet to be seen. So do you wear noise-cancelling headphones yourself? Yes. 
So do you know I do not like them? Do you know how many people die wearing noise cancelling I'm sorry, headphones? what? They're crossing the street. They don't hear anything. Oh. And it's like I went to the gym and they had the music on so loud. I said, can you please just turn it down? Because I can't hear anything through my headphones. And they said, do you have noise cancelling <laughs> headphones? I said, no. <laughs> I said, because if I'm on a treadmill and there's a fire behind me, I'm not going to know that it's coming but, for me. But but technology came ahead. And let's educate you on this. Please so do. we've got now almost all headphones have what's called active noise cancellation. Mm. And basically you can set the level of noise cancellation and what is called transparency so you can hear outside. So for example, if you're at the airport and you've got your headphones on, it can detect when there's an announcement and reduce the volume. And most headphones have this now, most good headphones. Do you Sony have to Bose. set it and press buttons to do this? You just have to set it up once. Okay. And, and, and it's a you. done deal. And it's a done deal. So the point is that, um, I mean, I don't know how someone hears a fire I guess people screaming. It's not that. Maybe I'd feel the heat and think, oh, what's that? Am I just sweating on the treadmill? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, a fire is one case, but in most regular scenarios, if someone's getting hit on the road, that's because they, they were irresponsible and didn't use um, transparency mode. Well, it's the same as people looking on their phone walking across the street. Correct, I mean? So dangerous. Okay. Uh, what about VR, Sony's next generation PlayStation? Okay. So I think that VR is. Um, Okay, so what people are excited about are three things. One is um, Sony's PSVR 2. Mm. That's second generation of their VR headsets. So this will obviously be purely gaming or rather mostly for gaming. Yeah. Then you've also got the Meta Quest 3, which yeah. is by Meta slash brackets Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then you've also got Apple's VR, which is completely rumored. So I won't go too far into that. But the point is that VR... There's a space being created. There might be a day where you might do this show sort of live on VR and people are kind of putting their foot down on it, but it's the applications aren't completely in place yet. Yeah. It's funny. I did this VR experience where we were sitting like it looked like a roller coaster Mm -hmm. and going into the ocean like a Hawaiian island. I was mesmerized. Right. It was. Ju- I didn't want to leave it. I mm-hmm. just felt so relaxed. It was beautiful. And I can see how you just want to escape into those kind of worlds. So the, the, the application of it, the part that baffles most people is how much your brain and how fast your brain kind of forgets where you are. Yeah. It's so quick, right? You think that your brain would be like, no, 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 this is virtual. No. The amount of times I've walked into walls, hit people, fallen <laughs> down because of VR, because you just forget. Yeah. It's like... There are these things where you can kind of walk a plank on the edge of a building. I've done it. Right? Oh my God, I'm, right? I'm terrified. And, and you know it. You know it deep yes. down in your mind. You know it's not real. I know. But there is such immense it's, fear. It's, oh my God. So it, that's that, such a good description. That realistic application just has to kind of find its way. Yeah. But VR is something that's going to be very exciting next year because the one thing that is taking advantage of it is gaming. And there are so many realistic games out there right now where um, the experience, like I played this one zombie game. And again, same thing. I know that that wasn't real, but the fear (laughs) in my heart while I was like in this dark alley and there's like eyes from a tree and I'm just like, it's like waking up from a nightmare and you're like, oh, that wasn't real. Yeah. So VR VR is going to be um, a significant part because all these three devices release at different times of Mm. the year. Um, that being said, I am also excited. I rather personally am more excited for AR, for augmented reality, because I think those applications are amazing. Yeah. So like, imagine you and me are talking to each other right now and maybe wearing a pair of glasses that 
that that sort of helps with work or makes us look 20 years younger or that or that maybe yeah. or just generally helps with interaction of real life which is the easiest way to experience is right now is google maps right oh yes pick up your google maps point it at the direction you're in and it'll show you everything real while it gives you directions as well so ar is very interesting and apple seems to there's also hints that they might be doing something in that space next year okay um i want to talk about electric cars now according to elon musk in the news today tesla shares have plummeted by 42% but he told his employees because obviously he's <laughs> elon musk and he thinks he's something don't be bothered by the stock market all this craziness guys because tesla will be the most valuable company on earth in the long term mm-hmm. okay What are we what are we talking about electric cars today in this region? So in this region unfortunately um and I'm not going to comment on why because that's based on a lot of decisions being made by car companies but in this region we're seeing a very slow growth like if you travel to the west right now or um the the speed at which companies are coming out with multiple models is is immense but whereas over here it's still a bit slow the safest option you have is tesla yeah. um and i hate to say that i genuinely hate to say that because Why? because there are many nice options out there globally like there are cars that tesla wouldn't even be in my top 10 if all the cars of the world were available over here oh, wow. so like for example there's Hyundai's Ioniq series which is an affordable option mm. you've got um the Fords uh, the F150 trucks uh, the F150 Lightning yeah. things like that that just aren't here yet and the infrastructure seems to be on the growth but a slower one um we still aren't at speeds that are available globally for charging so we're still much slower so even our fast fast charging is half as fast as global speeds mm. so it's going to take a little while plus you can't just um expect the grid to be able to handle this right don't forget yeah, that's at the true. end of the day just if 10% of the buys cars we need inc- more plug sockets exactly and <laughs> not just plug sockets you need you need the grid to be able to handle that's it that's true. the most important part So yeah electric cars will be awesome and they're here and most people I know who have them enjoy them thoroughly but it's it's a bit of a slow crawl like when I get cars for review my biggest problem is where I'm going to charge them because obviously I don't have a charger at home yeah. and right now buildings aren't equipped for it either very few buildings I've offer I've seen a few car parks I remember getting picked up by Tesla and I just stood there going Where's the handle? How do I get in? <laughs> I was like what is going on right there? Anyway, but finally let's end we've got a few minutes left. Mm-hmm. Uh foldable phones are not nothing new, but Google are coming out with their first one. Yes, so next year again um should I've been waiting for this personally for a long time. Unfortunately, we don't have Google officially over here for their hardware, but the Pixel Fold is about to come out. A lot of people are excited about this because this could change the game for Android as far as foldables are concerned with Google themselves creating one. Mm. So the operating systems will get better and stuff like that. Um but foldables genetically will also see uh, a lot of thinness next year a lot of it will become thinner okay. so last year rather this year sorry um Xiaomi released the thinnest one which is just 5 mm thin when unfolded oh. right so the thin race will will happen in 2023 because that's what people want they like the concept you, you say that but when i have a thin phone i can't find it in my bag most women can't so i have to put a really thick case on it like this mine looks like a brick so. yeah but when it's folded it's thicker okay. i said when it's unfolded oh, right it's very thin so that way so i, I think i think these phones go through this like just try and change it up first it was really small then it was really big screens yeah. then it was thin i think they're just like changing it up to which i shouldn't say but i'm going to say it just to make people buy it 
because it's something new. 100%. That's the whole idea, right? You, you want what's new and glistening. No, I don't. I want what's cheap. So I want to know what phone I should get. We're going to be talking about this off air for 2023 because I have no idea and this one's old in my hand, okay? I need good pictures. So I'm going to be talking to you, Dinesh. But listen, have a happy new year and you better come back into the studio again soon. Don't 100%. leave it a year and a half. Definitely. <laughs> We've all heard that term, self-love. It isn't something that we were actually taught about at school as a lesson or a little class growing up. But many schools are taking it quite seriously and teaching children how to value themselves from an early age. With us now is Tanya Spasojevic. She's the general manager at Altamimi Investments Education and the Hummingbird Early Learning Centre. How are you doing, Tanya? I'm very good. How are you? Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for having a surname that I've been practicing for ages. <laughs> I still couldn't say it well. That's very good. <laughs> Thank you. It's very good conversation, actually. <laughs> so let me let me ask you, how important is it to teach the values of self-love and self-appreciation to children at a very early age? This is actually very important because self-esteem begins to be formed very early and continues being created day by day. Self-esteem comes from learning children to accept actually who they are and to accept their uh, insufficiencies and still to choosing to life, uh, to like themselves. So every child's self-esteem grows with each experience, um, with, uh, with the interaction with others, uh, with relationships. So uh, we truly believe in Hummingbird that uh, self-esteem is actually extremely important uh, for for future goals in child's life. So, Is yeah. there a particular age when they start noticing about the self-esteem as such? Do they notice it? You know, when they look in the mirror and start looking at themselves, what kind of age are we looking at? We are looking actually at a very early age. I would say even uh, even the babies they start developing self-esteem, uh, definitely, or with relationship from their parents and later on from the carriers. I would say that positive relationship uh, uh, in the future are built through positive relationship in early years, very very early, uh, which means that uh, loving, stable relationship are very fundamental for for child development for entire well-being and child development. So from babies who build relationship with mothers, with uh, with parents, uh, with uh, and then later with the carriers in the uh, daycare or, or nurseries and later on in schools. And uh, so it starts very, very early. So it's very important uh, that this relationship are full of love and very stable uh, to provide them, to help them on the later stage to think, uh, to think, understand, communicate, behave, express emotions. So it's this steam, uh, um, esteem, self-esteem is actually actually very very important for the future confidence and goals. So in early years. Mo- most of us though will learn how to give and receive love from our parents when we're growing up. So how do you at Hummingbird teach us there? What do you implement? What do you say to them? Or what do you what activities do you do? Yes, uh, exactly. In Hummingbird, as I said now, we believe that positive relationships uh, with positive words 
uh, implemented uh, are actually key uh, for helping them to build self-esteem and in general building confidence. So how we do in practice, uh, we, we set up uh, uh, daily activities for them uh, every day to discover something new and to develop their knowledge and interests. Uh, we actually supporting them to achieve uh, uh, different activities by offering wide selection of, of uh, planned uh, learning activities every day about uh, around their own interest. Uh, so we have many choices, and then we let them to we, we let them to choose, we let them to dis discover and explore. So we're just supporting them to feel good about the activities they do and their own choices, because this is actually very important. We call it child initiative play, mm. where we're actually meeting their needs. So we need, we, we need them to feel well about what they're doing. In that way, they will, um, they will feel well even if, if, if they fail, if, if they have any mistakes, that's absolutely fine. And, what, uh, and what, just continue. What, what age are they at Hummingbird when you're doing these, implementing this? Uh, we do, we accept children from uh, three months until uh, oh, wow. five years old. Okay. Yes. And then we can start activities uh, in very, very early age because uh, we cannot forget that uh, social emotional development is a prime area of, of curriculum. And uh, this is actually the key area for us, but we're focusing on, um, even for the babies of five, five months old, uh, we do obviously age-appropriate activities, uh, but we do for, for even little babies until preschoolers, of course. So how involved are the parents? Because at the end of the day, you could be doing, implementing these little values and these lessons um, at, at school, but do the parents understand that they need to continue it at home too? Do you teach them anything? Of course, of course. So this is actually what we are doing. Uh, in Hummingbird, we believe in creating a secure home away from home setting, which gives, uh, um, reinforce these family values. So we provide also opportunities for parents to be involved and we work together with parents to bridge this transition from home to nursery. Uh, so we encourage parents to do very similar activity that uh, we do uh, in the nursery um, daily or monthly. So uh, talking about self-esteem uh, at home, what, what parents uh, uh, could do to follow the same path is actually to keep their children uh, involved. Uh, we all know that in early years, they like to be very important. They like to do things uh, as adults. Mm. So we just give them opportunities to be involved, uh, uh, to do stuff independently. Even if they do wrongly, it's, it's still their work. It's their task, and then we need to um, praise them from time to time, but wisely, obviously. We need to praise them uh, for any, any good task they complete, they do, uh, and we need to always open the new opportunities for them to, to do something new. For example, uh, in Hummingbird, what we do, um, after every single activity we do, uh, we encourage them to, to tidy up, to collect, to help us, uh, to be our uh, assistants, uh, to help us to do uh, work together with us. And they, they feel so special. They feel so confident in doing that. Uh, so I think this is actually a key, but, but parents can do the same thing at home. Sometimes can be challenging, obviously, um, for parents. We, we, we all understand that. Uh, but um, being involved in, mm -hmm. in, in, in your child's 
development in general, specifically for emotional and personal development, is a key for the future. Okay. Um, and have you no- have you noticed some big changes in a lot of the kids' self-esteem um, since teaching them these values and self-love? Have you noticed a shift in some of them? Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. We notice a lot, uh, a lot because. First thing we do when they enter Hummingbird, um, we make sure that we provide very loving uh, environment for them to feel like this is their second ho- house and the people around them are not strangers. Uh, we offer a lot of love and support. And this is actually the prime area. We don't move anywhere further in development. I mean, let's say in math or or literacy or any other area. If you're before we make sure they are emotionally developed, uh, they have self-esteem developed, uh, and they can uh, love themselves, also love their peers, and have positive relationship with peers and adults. So we, I definitely, not only me, but we have many feedbacks from parents saying that they can't uh, even recognize after one or two months of being uh, um, in such an environment uh, they recognize many changes in, in behavior, um, how they can uh, overcome the challenges, emotional challenges, firstly. Uh, because we, I still believe, not not me only, but my, my entire team, we believe that um, if a child has no self-esteem, uh, they cannot love uh, love or respect any peers or, or others. Okay. You know what I mean? So. Okay. So the first step to start. All right, Tanya. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I hope you have a lovely New Year's. Do you have anything planned? Well, uh, not sure yet because I have two little girls at home. <laughs> so, so probably we're going to do some children's party at home, but uh, I'm looking forward. Oh, okay. Anyway, and I wish you all the best in the new year and hope you will have a good time. Oh, thank you so much, Tanya. So I'd like to... Um I'd like to introduce Rosa Aigun. She's saying, how do you pronounce your name? Because I've just been asking her, mine is Poonam and yours is Aigun. <laughs> so you're a female tech founder of a holistic wellness app called Anka. And you do a lot of work with horses too, which is fascinating, the story that you're going to tell us. Tell us first a little bit about Anka. Wow. So hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Poonam, for this opportunity. Um, so the journey of Anka is, um, is where my spiritual journey began and my connection with horses began. So Anka actually means phoenix in Arabic and my background heritage, Turkish. So every time we do something, we are challenged with something in life or, you know, we're going through hardship or we're trying to learn something. We're always rising from our own ashes as newer, stronger, wiser versions of ourselves. And this is what Anka app is all about. It's about um, having the greatest healers, therapists, guides, coaches, on the platform that we can find the healing journey we need and we're not alone. Yeah. So I'm extremely into spirituality because I'm a metaphysics uh, practitioner and I've been really blessed actually just working here to have interviewed the likes of Deepak Chopra, Robin Sharma. I know, kind of mind-blowing. And I just want to say she she brought me some gifts, bless her. It's a rose quartz. I love crystals and that's all for love. She's brought me a little card with a horse on saying, don't be afraid to be yourself. 
And you know you have a message in a bottle. <laughs> so there's a little there's a little bottle here and it's got a little rolled up piece of paper and she said, I want you to write your intentions on this. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put my phone number on it and say, if you're single and cute, call me and throw it in the ocean. <laughs> That's my intention. <laughs> but thank you so much. Now, have you had a background in wellness, holistic health, or is this something that you went through that led you to this? Yeah, so like, I mean, my background was in corporate, in consulting, in beauty. I was working in Altair Group and managing beauty brands and it was amazing. But then um, what happened was I went through a, a kind of a crisis, but like, you know, our pain teachers. So um, I was actually diagnosed with a, a tumor in my ovaries, which kind of made me question everything in my life it does doesn't it? it's like the biggest wake-up call yeah and I didn't want to share it with my parents my family in Australia because my cousin was um, battling ovarian cancer and um, actually as I speak today like um, unfortunately these are her very last days so um, and I just want to spread that life is too short totally and um, uh, my mom had a hysterectomy my grandmother passed away from cancer so I started to think like I came to Dubai because work, 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 I want to be successful, I want to do good things. But then it made me really think, what is life about? Who am I without my job, without these titles? They're just labels that we carry in this lifetime. 100%. So then I kind of went on this journey where I, I went to see many, many uh, um like um, doctors and one of the doctors before this one of the things I actually loved doing was being around horses and mm. horses brought so much peace and serenity and calmness and stillness and peace into my life and I would just ride for jo joy rides and and there was one horse that specifically would touch me in my in my stomach and would tear up and the groom would say to me madame I don't know why but he only does this with you. So when he, as in he'd put his mouth next to there or yeah. lean against it? Yeah, he would just like, he would like push his nose towards me and like he would tear up. And I just thought at that moment, oh, how cute. Like, oh, he's so cute. And I didn't think any of anything of it until a few months later when I was diagnosed. And even then I still didn't know until I was speaking to one of my doctors um, and she's uh, more of a holistic doctor. She's spiritual. And she said to me that your body is tired. And I said, no, my body's not tired. I love being on the go. It gives me energy. Go, go, go. Like that's this, what I strive this from. Is, this is the society that we've been taught to follow and it's actually completely wrong. 100%. And she said to me, um, that's the mind. Do you meditate? And I said, no, I can't meditate. I can't. Like, I'm a thinker. I'm an analyst. She said, but that's why you need to meditate. And then she said, well, there's a truly a disconnect because if your body is tired and then this would not happen if your body was not tired. So what are the things that you love doing? And I said, actually, I, I, you know, she said, what's the worst that can happen if you quit your job? You started a more... A healthy lifestyle, eating healthy, exercising. Were you not doing that before? No, I was just working like crazy. It was just work, work and work. And um, I didn't sleep much. I was already suffering from insomnia. But I thought this was normal because my body was used to this, you yeah. know. And this is how you should be. Yeah, I mean, this is normal. This is what we're conditioned to think. And, you know, if you want to be respected, if you want to be good in, in the corporate ladder, you need to just work until you literally kill yourself. Yeah. Um, but then she said to me, um, you know, what is, what's the worst that can happen if you quit your job and do the things you love? And at that moment, I thought about it. What is the worst thing that can happen 
if I, I potentially can die or if this tumor ends up being cancerous. And it made me really question everything in my life at that moment. And I told her I love being around horses. And she said, horses are the most spiritual beings on this planet. That's when I was like, oh, my God, doctor, there was a horse that was doing this. Do you think he was trying to tell me? She said, of course. It's just us humans that are so disconnected that we cannot see the signs in front of us. So this led me to my spiritual journey, and I'm sure you can imagine how it is. Then I was open to everything. Yeah, that's what happens, isn't it? One door opens, then you want to know everything. It's like it's, and you have to be careful. It can be like a bit of a, just keep going down that rabbit, you know, yeah. they call it. Yeah, and it's dangerous, right? Because um, I think people don't realize how how energy how important energy is. You know, when we're in a relationship and we're dating someone, we go on a few dates. We we don't just open up and be vulnerable. But then somebody in a room that's like, "Oh, my Reiki healer. Oh, your heart chakra's blocked. I can open that up." And you think, "Oh my God, yes." But it's like this person doesn't even know you, and we're so open to let other people in their energy frequencies, totally. which is even more sacred than. Our physical bodies. Yeah, I know. Have you become more intuitive since this? 100%. I know. It, yeah. it's, it's crazy, isn't it? But I think, I mean, we all have it in us. But unfortunately, the majority of us have to have wake-up calls for us to wake up fully to our soul's purpose or listen within. And and, and what is the diagnosis right now for your tumour? So it's an amazing, amazing journey. So after that, I was... Very, I was obsessed like Dr. Joe Dispenza and I was listening to everyone, Deepak Chopra. I was doing so many practices. That's what made me travel and seek um, shamans, gurus, therapists. I went to Spain. I went to Greece. I went to um, Indonesia, Bali. And I was just trying to seek the greatest healers. And um, and I went on a health diet, a workout diet, because my doctor said to me, I was on the prescription. I was on the for 10 years the doctor said to me please get rid of anything that's not natural in your body let's start eating healthy you're still young let's monitor if it's aggressive or not before we get uh, by the time we get the uh, biopsy Mm. so I went on this journey she said let's monitor it first before operating before starting anything just take yourself away from the stressful environment and that's what I did and um, and a few months later, when I went back, she was like, oh, my God, what are you doing? I was riding horses every single day and um, just being around them. I then uh, met a lovely lady, lady named Christina Mars who teaches horse guided empowerment and like a form of equine therapy. And I did a diploma in that, which really made me understand it wasn't just about riding the horses, but the horses are like avatars like our avatars and it's about that true connection and um when we're riding a horse we're actually you know we're uh, spreading our legs openly so we have that flow of energy from our root chakra that's going straight to the horse's solar plexus which is where you get power from yeah. the horse and that recharges you that's why you feel like you're reborn you're stronger and and the and every time I went back, the tumor was getting smaller and smaller. Wow! And then and the meditations I was doing, I was doing Doctor Joe Dispenza's meditations, and and then uh, last year when I went for my full checkup, she said, "I don't know what you've been doing, but it's no longer there." But the beautiful thing is, this is the this is the reason I needed. This was a gift given by Allah and God to take me out of this. 
um, the system to really see my purpose and my calling and really be able to help people on this path that everything is possible and you know we just have to connect to ourselves and that's why right now I'm trying to create these beautiful experiences with the horses we had You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. So we're talking to Raisa Aigoon. She's the female tech founder of a holistic wellness app called Anka. And we're talking about horse therapy as well. And now it actually detected something was wrong with her. Found out that she actually had a tumour. I'm going to talk to you now about my horse therapy, Rosa. (laughs) Come So I generally get on with all animals and most people, human beings and children. Um, and when I was about 20, I went on my first like really big horse and I was a little bit nervous. Obviously, I was the oldest in the group. Everyone was about 15. And um, they said, we're going to put you on Mabel. Mabel's the oldest, slowest horse in the group. I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Sounds like a grandmother's name, Mabel, in England. And... Um, this little Mabel, for some reason, at one point it was raining and they all started putting their heads down. And I was like, what's going on? And they didn't understand the rain, so they put their heads down. Mabel starts galloping oh with me God. on it. So I'm freaking out, going, what's going on? And they came and helped me. And then ever since that, I was like, if she's the slowest horse, this is, I don't want to get on another horse. And then when I had my TV show, we had to do a lot of like sports and stuff. And horse riding was one of them. And I got thrown, thrown off one. And <laughs> since then, I'm terrified of them. And I've done horse therapy. And I went close to it. And we actually filmed it and everything. And the experience that that horse gave me was that I don't know how to create boundaries with people. And I totally agree with that. But I'm still nervous around them. I mean, it's completely normal. Um, uh, I'm a professional endurance rider. And no matter how many times we ride and we race, uh, you still feel that way because there's such powerful, big, grand and uh, and beings. And they, um, they don't care about ego, what sex you are, what religion you follow. They, they really humble you. And um, it's uh, usually horses mirror our feelings and our emotions. So, um, are they extremely sensitive to us? Very sensitive, extremely sensitive. And when I'm using, when I'm working with horses, I work with a herd of horses in my therapies mm. because each of the horses, like us, we're comedians, we have our introverts, our extroverts. Horses are like that too. You know, they're a herd animal. Us humans have survived because we live in communities, families. True. Horses are the same, they're herd animals. And when you see them in the wild, they run together. It's the energy frequency you don't hear them say hey let's run and then they start running it just happens instantaneously like a complete synchronicity so when we're working with a group of horses uh, we they start to mirror different emotions different feelings and sometimes you'll have as you said your the horse that was supposed to be slow yeah and 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 calm mirrored something else completely within within well, well I've always been very energetic active yeah. and fast so that makes sense now. Yeah. So it was probably trying to bring out that inner child of yours. Oh, oh that hasn't gone away, Rosa. <laughs> I'm trying to become an adult. It's just taking too long. <laughs> you know, it's just like horses are, are there to really, like when you're around them, uh, you can't think about the meditative state that they're always in theta level. Are they? Right? So they're so grounded. They eat grass. Four feet of them are always 
connected to Mother Gaia, nature. And they are just the perfect conduits. What kind of shifts have you seen them um, um, change in other people or heal in people? Oh wow! I've seen so many, but one of one of the uh, ladies, um, a beautiful Emirati lady, actually, she was very scared in the beginning, and we were working with the horses uh, in the herd, and um, she said to me that she has issues in her relationships. She's in her forties, and she wants to manifest her husband, but her father passed away when she was young, and she had to take over the companies and. You know, in a in a local family, uh, you know, she should have been married, but she's working, and her family's her priority. So over there, I automatically was able to observe that when she went to the herd, you know how when you have so much love to give yeah. that it pushes people away. Like yeah. oh, I don't know what to do. So I'm choking. It's too much. Like yeah. horses were like overwhelmed by how much love she had to give. She was such a giving person, but it wasn't to herself. And if you don't love yourself and you're not complete with yourself, whatever you do on the outside is is just going to be uh, a negative uh, response, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, the horses were amazing, but they were just respecting her boundaries because they knew she was nervous, but she was like wanted to give. So they grounds her. But I always ask questions like, "What? how did that make you feel? I would never intervene and say, oh, you're like this or like this. It's the horses that guide me in the sessions. And she said, oh, well, you know, like, I just feel like in my relationships, I'm always giving and giving and giving. And it's one-sided and they take me for, uh, they take advantage of me. They take. Because she hasn't created her boundaries. Yes. And that was what the horse told me. 100%. We do this as women. Yeah, it's a woman thing, isn't it? We're too giving and nurturing. And then if you're not, you call something else, which I can't say on air, but. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. We all know what that is. (laughs) Exactly. Um, funny enough, what happened was I don't work with stallions, okay? Uh-huh. I only work with geldings and mares. But as I was walking, and I mean, this is a bit crazy for people listening in the air. I had one of the stallions on the farm con- constantly neighing. And I just had this intuitive feeling and like her father wants to speak to her. Her father wants to speak to her. And... I knew in that moment, I was like, this does not make sense, Rosa. Why is this happening? But you know what? I said, I need to trust my intuition. I went, there was about 20 uh, stallions. I went and I knew exactly which stallion it was. And he he didn't even care about me. He was looking for her. I went inside. I made sure that he was safe. And the moment that I told her to come into the center, I said, um, he just calmed down. I said, hun, I want you to speak in your language. I don't know Arabic, but what is it that you always wanted to tell your father that you couldn't tell him when you were young? Mm. Okay, so I want you to share it with this beautiful horse that's holding his spirit for your father right now. So she went and hugged him. We did like a, it's called the energy heart chakra hug. So you put your heart on the horse's heart and you Mm. hug them and you start to breathe. And at some point, there's this synchronicity, the heart of the horse and your heart start to mimic each other and the breath starts to mimic. And then at one moment she started crying. Yeah, I'd, I'd start crying. I can feel it already. Okay. She started crying and then uh, the horse just turned his bum and walked off on her. And it was actually like hilarious. And she was like, oh my God, why did he do that? And obviously I said, why did you feel he did that? And she said, he doesn't want to hear me cry. 
he's upset. He wants to see me happy. Mm. So I said, do you want to start sharing something, experiences that made you happy? And she, she said, yes. So she continued speaking Arabic. And then he came to her. He put his head on her shoulder, put it down, closed his eyes. And that was like a moment. And then she started laughing. She said, oh, my God, all this time I thought my dad didn't love me. Oh. But he's always loved me and he's always been by my side. And it was just magical to witness how this came about. And then weeks after, she told me, Rosa, I'm sleeping better and you won't believe it. All of these men are asking me for dates. They're texting me and I'm like, no, I'm working on myself. Okay, ladies, if you hear that, I'll be giving Rosa's information out after and I will be in the queue too. No, that's amazing. I mean, I definitely want to, I've done it before, but I definitely want to try it with you and do bring a lot of tissue boxes because I, I definitely will cry again <laughs> doing this. But um, I know you do a lot of events. I've just got to wrap it up now and go to the news. Where can people find you and see what you're doing and come along to your events? Um, well, we, we're posting our events on our Instagram, so on anka.app. So uh, anka is spelled A-N-Q-A. Yeah. So, and you can contact me on my personal Instagram, which is Rosa Aigun. And uh, we will be posting more events that are coming up. And our events are about the community. It's really about taking people away from their busy life into the stables, into nature, yeah. with the animals to ultimately connect with self. Okay. So we'll be doing many more events in the coming year. And once we launch the application as well in February, you'll be able to see all the many different healing modalities, whether it's sound healing, meditation, breath work, and many, many more all on the app and within working with the horses, without the horses. So it's going to be really magical. Well, if you get me over my fear with horses and we become best friends, it will be 100%, a miracle. <laughs> I teach holistic riding. So for me, it's like, the, and that's the thing about the UAE, like Sheikh Mohammed, His Highnesses, they're all about horses. It's a horse country, you know. And the thing is, when people think of horses, they think horseback riding. But there's so many things you can do with horses on the ground, right? Mm. And even riding a horse, it's about these, we need to have their permission. Like you go so often to just um, these stables and they just put you on a horse. You don't even say hello. You don't even connect to them. And for me, it's about asking them, connecting with them, having this bond. It's not about me riding you and controlling you. No, it's about doing this together energetically. And respecting that animal. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, totally. And when, when, you, when you have that connection, you don't even need reins. Like mm. it's just energetic. You think you look at turning left and the body and they turn left. Yeah. And once you have this synchronicity, you're like, wow, I am one with this beautiful, magnificent, majestic animal. Mm. I do dream of riding, you know, along the beach, really fast galloping, but that, it's never happened. I've also dreamed of playing uh, the electric guitar like Prince. Again, maybe I'll start doing this and manifesting it for 2023. <laughs> I, promise, I promise you, 2023... I'm going to make that dream of yours yeah, happen. I want you to teach me. You know, I did see a lady uh, the other day. She was sitting on the horse and the horse was in the ocean. I was like, I can do that because the horse can't gallop in the ocean. <laughs> so we can start off slowly. Thank you so much, Rosa. My pleasure. Thank you. This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. The UAE's number one talk radio station. So if many of you are going to be out and about on the streets looking for the fireworks on New Year's, we've got some top tips when it comes to capturing that perfect picture.
Joining me now is Raz Hansrod. He's the general manager of Golf Photo Plus. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you for now? I'm good, Raz. How long have you been taking photos for? Oof, probably since I was 12, 11. What was your first camera? Do you remember? Uh, I had a PSP, so like a handheld gaming thing. Yeah. And it had like a screw-on camera that was 0.7 megapixels. Wow, you've got a good memory. <laughs> it was my first camera after all. Aww. I loved it. And uh, yeah, that's what got me started. I remember the Polaroids. I used to love them. I still got those in the, in the album, the old family albums. Yeah, and Polaroids are getting more and more popular. I know. Every, everything just comes back round, don't you think? Yeah, we, everything's a cycle. This <laughs> is why you shouldn't throw anything away. But then if you don't, people call you a hoarder. So it's a very kind of confusing situation, you know, because <laughs> I'm kind of thinking maybe in about 20 years, my old albums and CDs, I can sell them for a lot of money. Some of them are very classic, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, that's actually one of the things that I was hoping to share with everyone listening today is like managing old photographs, whether they're printed or you've just gone on holiday or something like that. Um, how do you keep track of all these photographs? And if they're printed, if they're old family photos, how do you make sure that they're safe? You know. Yeah, so so a lot of, like, uh, I, I mean, obviously we got the albums at home when we were growing up, but now we, I take a lot on my phone. I don't even have a, a normal camera anymore. Um, and if there's some that I want to store, I mean, one of my storage things is Instagram. You know what I mean? You put it on social mm-hmm. media and it's there and you know it. Or mm-hmm. put it on a hard drive. What do you recommend? Well, first of all, I recommend having, uh, like, find the dedicated nerd in your family who's going to, like, manage all the photos and manage all the data. Oh, we don't have one in our family. I'll just use you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of apps that you can use. And your phone, whether it's an iPhone or an Android, it's going to have either uh, iCloud or Google Drive. Yeah. Um, Google Photos. Both are both are good for storing photos. Google Photos is a million times better. I say as an Apple fan, begrudgingly. Yeah, um, I'm an Android, by the way. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just Google Photos. Google Photos almost might make me switch, but oh, I'll wait. okay. I'll wait for Apple to catch up. Um, but the thing is, you want to probably move your photos out of just your phone. One, if they're just stored locally, you need to put them on the cloud somewhere. Yeah. Uh, um, or you're going to lose all these memories one day. Yeah. Um, and second, you probably want to like choose your favorite ones and categorize them somewhere by holiday or something like that. Um, there's an app and there's an application called Lightroom, Adobe Lightroom. It's from Adobe who make Photoshop. Yeah. And it's probably the most powerful thing that you can use for categorizing your oh, photographs. Wow. Okay. Okay. And yeah, what you- about printing photos? I mean, a lot of people are starting to print them all over again. What do you think? What, what kind of pictures or shots should we be printing? You, you want to print, uh, images that you can decorate your space with, right? Yeah. Or your desk or something like that. Um, that. Again, you probably wouldn't print all your photographs. Gone are the days where you'd go and leave a roll of film and then you get back like a, a stack of uh, like small photographs that you then look through and then put in an album or something mm. like that. Um, these days you probably select one or two from a holiday or one or two from a special occasion and have them printed and framed and hung. Um, it makes quite a quite a thoughtful and unique and and still cost-effective gift, you know, um, to give somebody a, a printed photograph of uh, time that we shared together or something like that. So on New Year's Eve, a lot of people are going to be out capturing the fireworks. Let, let's mm-hmm. start first with uh, the majority of us are going to be using phones. Any mm-hmm. tips when it comes to using phones? Because everyone's got different quality cameras on their phones. 
so uh, best of luck to all the people that are going to be standing in the crowds. Um, for the rest of us that don't want to stand in the crowds, you want to have a phone that has some sort of telephoto or some sort of zoom lens. A lot of phones these days do. Yeah. There are some Samsungs that do crazy 100 times zoom and, and all this. So if you're going to be doing that, you probably want a tripod or you want some sort of stable surface. Mm. If you have a, a shorter friend or family member, you can kind of like put your phone on their head and ask them to stand still for a second. Um, and yeah, you can use those to shoot the to shoot the fireworks. If you're up close, if you're on the beach or, or something like that, and uh, the fireworks are quite close to you, you could try using one of the slow shutter modes. And all phones pretty much have these have this mode these days. In the Android, it'll be under Pro, and on the iPhones, it would be the night mode. Um, but what this does is it takes a photo for a long period of time. So if you start shooting the photograph as the fireworks go up, yeah. you'll get that trail of the firework going up and then exploding, and then you, it'll, it'll kind of like paint lines on your image, ah. uh, which looks quite good because otherwise firework photographs, if you shoot them at the wrong time, you just get these like weird little yeah. specks. And it doesn't look very impressive. It's all about timing with fireworks for sure. Yeah, definitely. I might just do the old-fashioned thing and just watch them through my own eyes. And just put the camera down because everyone's going to yeah. be posting anyway. So I might as well just be in the present moment and enjoy it. Um, what about a DSLR? Will they capture it better? Uh, they'll give you more control for sure. Yeah. Uh, it depends on when the DSLR or the mirrorless camera was made. If it's older, your phone's probably got a better camera. If it's mm. one of the new cutting edge ones, uh, then one, um, learn how to use it really quick in the next couple of days do some Googling or visit us at GPP. And two, then you probably want to do something like a slow shutter on a tripod. Um, I won't go too much into the jargon, but yeah. Okay, well, today I'm, I'm looking out the window and the sky's a little bit blue, but the past two days I felt like I was back home in Brum, in Birmingham, because it was very grey, very gloomy. Any tips when the weather's kind of like that, when it comes this to taking pictures? This is a great time to shoot. This oh, really? Yeah. So, so it's like Fifty Shades of Grey in Dubai. You've got, you got different 50 colours to use. Yeah, and there are photographers who shoot the Fifty Shades, but when it's just shades of the sky, um, you might notice, even with your eyes, that colours seem a bit more vibrant. Greens of the grass will seem greener. Red cars seem really red to me every time. Basically, when the sun's not beaming uh, directly on us as it is for the rest of the year. Is that, is that um, like 12 to 2 is the worst time to take photos? Is that right when the sun is completely on top of us? That's usually for the shadows because you probably yeah. just get like really dark shadows under your eyes. Yeah. But uh, when this, when the light is diffused, we call it diffused light, like uh, through a cloud or, mm. you know, then saturation is much higher. So colors are a lot more vibrant. I see. And what are you going to be doing for New Year's? Are you going to be in a secret spot taking photos or are you going to be on the couch just chilling, watching everyone else in the ground? I'll probably be in a secret spot <gasps> taking photos. Can, can, and, can, you uh, can't, can't give us a clue because is this secret spot like only you and a few others might know? I mean, look, the, there's no, there's no uh, crazy secret to it. It's basically drive out to the desert, get a very, very long lens. You can rent one from tons of companies for quite cheap for one night yeah. uh, and point it towards the fireworks and, and shoot that way. That way you avoid the crowds. Um, if you're out in the desert, you're going to get a good shot because you're not going to have buildings or any light pollution in the way, things but, like that. But hang on a minute, how far in the desert are you? Because the fireworks are going to be more close to the city. Right, but the Burj Khalifa fireworks, if you go out by Medan, yeah. um, there's a lot of sandy areas out uh, to the, if you're driving up towards Medan, off to the right, mm. there's a bunch of empty sand. Get your friend that has a 4x4, find a dune, park on the dune and shoot from there. And then that way you can also probably skip the traffic later if you yeah. go home the long way around. 
Okay. And so any secrets out. That's where I'll be. I'll be out. Well, you know, we can that. put one of those little. Um, my mum had this when she came to Dubai with her luggage. The little Apple trackers that look like little Smarties. I'll just put that on you, and then we can all find you. <laughs> we'll do that. We know exactly where you are. Um, any upcoming uh, exhibitions that we should look out for at Gold Photo Plus? Yeah, uh, our current exhibition is from uh, Filipino artist Augustine Paredes. It's mm-hmm. his first international show, solo exhibition. Uh, he's been on the show before. Um, and his work is, it's a very deeply personal kind of experimental for us. We usually don't do such experimental uh, exhibitions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the current one, and that will be on until the end of January. Uh, we might extend it, we'll see, based on popular demand. Um, and then we haven't announced our next one just quite yet, but stay tuned. We should announce that soon. Okay. In the meantime, we've got workshops happening all the time and photo walks. and Yeah, yeah. and great classes. Uh, you can find them on Gold Photo Plus online and on Instagram. Uh, Raz, I'm wishing you a very happy New Year's. Um, I hope you get some great photos and I hope you don't get stuck in traffic on Saturday night. I will send them to you. Thank you for now. <laughs> Thank you. Make sure you tune in to Afternoons with Helen Farmer every weekday from 2 to 5 p.m. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.